You are now listening to the Seize the Bay podcast, an all-around sports podcast with a Tampa Bay focus. Everything from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and college sports. Also, your one-stop shop for everything Bucks, Rays, and Lightning. Here are your hosts, Kenny Morales and Jordan Moore. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the very first episode of the Seize the Bay podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in. I'm Kenny Morales, sports reporter for Spectrum Sports 360. We have a show every single night at 1030 on Spectrum Bay News 9. We cover it all sports-wise in the Bay Area and then some. Join here by Jordan Moore, one of our news producers over at Bay News 9. Jordan, how you doing, man? What's up? Glad to start this off. Finally. We've been Finally. talking about it for a while. We have been, and I'm glad we actually are getting to start this off. We figured, because it's the first episode, we want to go ahead and just kind of give you guys a quick background of... Uh, of where each of us came from sports-wise, why we why we like sports, and kind of how we got to where we are in our careers. So, uh, do you want to start off? You want me to go first? You go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. All right. He, he wants me to write this shift, so I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and drive this thing. Um, so, basically, I'm a UCF grad. Go Knights. Charge on. Graduated 2013. Uh, got my very first job in TV in Wausau, Wisconsin. Was there for like a year and a half. Covered the Packers. Got to cover the Badge a little bit. A lot of high school sports. Kind of, you know... Started from the bottom, now we're here. Eventually got to Tallahassee, worked there for three years covering Florida State, uh, Florida A&M, a little bit of South Georgia, and then lo and behold, uh, I've been here in St. Pete at Spectrum Bay News 9 for a little more than two years now. It doesn't feel like that, especially this year with quarantine and everything. But uh, no, and it grew up for me, kind of grew up a, a big basketball fan, played basketball my entire life, so that's my number one sport. Uh, but slowly but surely got into football, got into baseball, soccer, hockey, so uh, for me, as long as it's a sport, I'm probably going to tune in and watch because I like it. So for me, I'm a little younger than Kenny. Kenny's an old man. I'm, I'm an old, old man, 29 years old. I'm basically foot in the grave, according you know, <laughs> to Jordan. I spent the last year covering uh, Boston sports up in Boston. Just moved here to St. Pete back in June. For me, I grew up playing baseball, so that's kind of how I got into sports. Last year, I just finished my master's um, at Emerson College. Uh, up in Boston and then the year before that I graduated from Stevenson University in Maryland where I played D3 baseball so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with with covering sports and that kind of thing so look at this guy flexing his master's off (laughs) fresh off with the master's degree yeah I I only came to Tampa Bay to follow Brady I was gonna say that that was gonna be the segue was you're not the only uh, New Englander to to make his way to the Tampa Bay area so did Tom Brady and that's of course was the, the, I would say, probably the biggest headliner for this Sunday in terms of NFL games, right, to kick off the 2020 NFL season. Brady in his Bucks debut against Breeze and the New Orleans Saints. And unfortunately for Buccaneers fans, I would probably say a little underwhelming for what they were hoping for. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like Brady... Uh, I, I think he disappointed, but I think that he still played well. He still had a very good QBR, uh, or not QBR, um, passing rating. Uh, he was 23 th- for 36, 239 yards, two touchdowns, and obviously there's two interceptions that eventually cost the Buccaneers the game, essentially. I mean, they lose by 11. Um, so I don't think I don't think Brady played bad. I just think that the chemistry with Mike Evans and Mm -hmm. uh, the receivers and even the tight ends, except for that one touchdown pass to O.J. Howard, they didn't really target Gronk a lot at all. He wasn't really in the game. No, no. Even though he was 
he was on, I believe what I read was uh, out of the tight ends, he was on the field the most. He played like like 50-something, 60-something out of the 70 or 80 snaps that there were. Mm-hmm. Um, he only had two receptions for only, 11 yards. Yeah, and I can only think only – I don't even remember the other catch he had. Right. The, the one I can think of is where he kind of had, like I think, a crossing route. He was just coming around and got maybe six or seven yards. Yeah. Kind of went out of bounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was underwhelming, but I would I would agree with you. I thought Brady played fine. He wasn't he wasn't his normal, you know, um, sharp self. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. He didn't look particularly sharp. And, and look, that's that's understandable. I think oh, so we have to understand people are forgetting the Bucks fans that are like ready to jump ship. The New Orleans Saints are really good, and they have been for a couple years now. There's a reason they've won the division three straight years and have been in the playoffs and been a. Uh, they haven't made it to the Super Bowl, but a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a really good defense they're going up against. Yeah, I mean, the Saints are a top five team in the NFL right now. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's a tough test, especially yeah. when you haven't had any preseason games. I think the Bucs are a team that really needed that preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was even one, two games, I think they needed that desperately, and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they looked awful, like we said. I mean... I thought I thought if I was going to talk about one thing, we were going to touch on biggest disappointment and, and, and most what most impressive. I thought the defense was really good. I mean, yeah. they held the Saints to less than 300 total yards. Alvin Kamara, while he did do great for my fantasy team because I think he had two or three touchdowns, mm-hmm. he had like 30 something yards of rushing on like 17 attempts. Um, and so the Bucks pretty much picked up right where they left off last year in terms of being the number one rush defense. The biggest question was going to be how is the secondary going to look that pass defense? But they look pretty good. Carlton Davis pretty much shut down Michael Thomas, who's what arguably the best receiver in the NFL yep. right now. Michael Thomas only three receptions, seventeen yards. Look at that. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Carlton Davis. We heard Bruce Arians mention it, and and Todd Bowles. They think that he could be a top ten corner in this league. He played like it this past Sunday. And then I thought Antoine Winfield, who earned the rookie out of Minnesota, earned that starting safety position. He played, I thought he played really well. You know, I believe he had either a sack or a tackle for loss in that game. And then uh, a really big pass breakup in the end zone. I thought he, he played solid all around. So I thought there were a lot of good things you could take away from the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winfield had six tackles, uh, three solo, a um, couple pass rushers, and a, a QB hit. But I think the big thing, like you said, was Carlton Davis really did really well, uh, especially against, you know, Michael Thomas who was basically not in the game. They really mm-hmm. took him out of the game. Alvin Kamara really didn't do that well either. I mean, I know he had a couple touchdowns, but, yeah. I mean, from a statistical that. standpoint, five receiving catches, 51 yards, mm-hmm. and then rushing, nothing. No. 12 Twice. carries, 16 yards. Oh, wow. I was way off. So, what was I thinking of? Man. So, I mean, they, they basically took him out of the game, which is what they needed. I think, obviously, all the penalties really, really hurt them. I don't, yeah, they didn't they didn't look well at all. I think I mean that's just you know being out there kind of thing. Yeah. But and uh, I would say the O line didn't play well. Um, the O line, you know, Donovan Smith, they're throwing a lot of money at him to be their starting left tackle. And you know Bruce Arians mentioned it. He wasn't even going up against you know the Saints' best D lineman. He was going up against you know wasn't going up against Cam Jordan. That was Tristan Wirfs' job. Mm-hmm. And Donovan Smith was getting beat. Couple yeah. times, uh, I believe he got beat on the time where Brady uh, fumbled the ball and had to kind of jump on it. And, and it, but it wasn't just him, you know. Also, when they uh, when they lined up to kick that Ryan Suckup field goal, I believe it was Tristan Wirfs and I want to say Ryan Jensen or maybe it was Alex Cap. I couldn't remember who it was on that right side though uh, that completely just got bulldozed, and that led to that field goal 
I believe they're getting completely blocked or tipped. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I think I think too. I think Werfs obviously look inexperienced, but I think there's definitely room for growth. Oh no, I for sure think that. I think at the very the fact that he was it was his very first NFL start. He was going up against an All Pro and Cameron Jordan. I thought he held his own for the most yeah. part. And what I liked about him too is he got beat a couple times early, but then he made up for those mistakes and, yeah. and learned from them. So. Yeah. I think that's something Donovan Smith needs to do, and it's weird because he's a veteran. So right, that's the. I mean, this is this is the thing, Bucks fans. I know this is your first time, kind of, you know, learning about the Bucks and studying them a little more than than the outside of my typically do. Donovan Smith. This is kind of what Bucks fans have kind of expected from him. He's he's playable. That's that's all you're really gonna get from him. He's never gonna be this outstanding left tackle, or at least we haven't seen it yet. Uh, he's gonna have his good moments, and he's also gonna have his bad moments. And right. on Sunday, we saw more of the bad than we saw the good, which isn't great. Right. Um, I think that I think it's cool too, that, and a big reason why I wanted to start the podcast because obviously you know so much about Tampa Bay sports. I'm obviously getting a lot more into it, and making me blush, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but. You know, someone that I covered last year is Brady, and obviously, you know, he's the big name and stuff, and mm-hmm. I feel like we should talk about him a little more. More For him to be successful, he has to have a good offensive line. Absolutely. And I think that's something that's a lot different this year is that he's going to get hit uh, a mm-hmm. little more than he has in the past couple of years, and at 43, you can't really have that happen, so no. Donovan Smith definitely needs to step up. Yeah, absolutely. And they need to help out with, the, with I mean, I don't think they not only pass blocking, but run blocking. I mean, the run game... I mean, Bruce Arians gave credit to Ronald Jones, and I do too. Ronald Jones was running tough. Mm-hmm. He was getting, he was getting pretty much meeting guys almost the line of scrimmage every run. Uh, but he hung in there, 17 carries, 66 yards, just under four yards a carry. He had one really nice one, would be for 21 yards. Um, and this, but, is, this is kind of my first time really watching Ronald Jones too, and I don't yeah. remember a time where he went down on the first tackle. No, and was, then, and know. I'll tell you, Bucks fans will tell you that. Compared to his rookie year, that was a really solid game because his rookie year, he struggled. Mm-hmm. He really struggled. And second year, we saw some improvement, some signs of hope, and I thought it looked pretty good this game. I really did. Um, then I, now I'll be curious to see what his role looks like moving forward, obviously, because they brought in Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Uh, really didn't see Shady McCoy at all involved. I think he had one catch. I, um, I thought we were going to see McCoy a lot more in the passing game, but... He was pretty much just used for pass blocking, right. which we thought he would be. But yeah. I thought he'd be more involved in terms of pass catching. Right. Uh, he had one catch, two yards. Yeah. Targeted once. I think I think this game really goes to show you. I think we'll definitely see more this week against Carolina. But yeah. I think this really goes to show you that Ronald James is the number one back. Yeah. Um, and then Fournette's probably going to be the two, and McCoy's going to be yeah. there for for pass blocking yeah. and hopefully catching. But well, how, how do you feel heading into week two, the, the Bucks game against the Panthers? I think I think like like I said before, the Bucks are a team that need to keep playing together, need to keep having those live reps, something they haven't had. I know there's a couple scrimmages, but you're not going 100 percent in those scrimmages. No. So you know this was the very first real 100 percent live moment that the Bucks have, and they have a whole bunch of superstars on the team. And I think they just need to play a lot more. I think they'll handle Carolina this weekend. I don't think Carolina, if you limit McCaffrey, I don't think mm-hmm. they're anything special. I know Bridgewater is definitely very talented, but if, if you limit the run game with the the Panthers, I don't I don't think they're going to beat you. So especially yeah. with, you know, something we haven't really talked about is Levante David uh, and Devin White, who <sighs> probably the My best goodness. defensive duo right now. Might be the best line, one of the best linebacking cores in the NFL right now. Those yeah. two are special. I, I can see why I, you saw firsthand why Devin White was voted a captain. Yeah. I mean, he was a monster. And Levante David, 
continues to show why he is just so completely um, – he doesn't get any love, any amount of love that he should. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, he was rated out of the they did the NFL 100. He was rated number 100. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's yeah. not right at all. He's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But I agree. I think they'll be okay against the Panthers, especially. I just think the Panthers' defense isn't the same as as the Saints. Mm-hmm. I mean, your biggest concern. I mean, there's no more Luke Kuechly. Uh, there's no more. You know, there's no Thomas Davis there on the line. Um, you I, know. Th- I think you'll see Brady improve a lot this week too yeah. with being on the same page. Because I mean, the the Saints defense basically took Mike Evans out of the game. Yeah, Mike yeah. Evans well, Marshawn, Lass, Marshawn Lattimore really played well against him. Mm-hmm. He did really well, and you got to remember that secondary improved too because compared to the last time uh, I believe the Bucks saw them, uh, they added Janoris Jenkins who had the pick six. They added him late last year. And then they also added Malcolm Jenkins in the offseason, a veteran presence, Super Bowl champion, uh, Pro Bowl caliber safety. I mean, that's 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 a top two, top three that's a great secondary. secondary in the NFL yeah. right now. So to even be talking about Brady's performance and even the receiver's performance, Chris Godwin did great. I Chris Godwin played well. And, you know, I, uh, Scotty Miller had a couple nice plays, I thought. Yeah. I, there was one deep ball that Brady threw to him that Scotty caught it with, like, a guy draped on him. Huh? Right. There you go, Scotty. Yeah. Made a couple guys miss also in the open field. Uh, I thought he solidified himself as like that number three guy. Yeah, definitely. And one more point that we'll touch on with the Bucks is I think for their success on offense, they have to get one of the three tight ends very involved into the game. Yeah, yeah, they do. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, when Gronk came here, I thought honestly that he was going to be more used for blocking. I don't think we're going to see the Gronk of you know your old New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm surprised that we didn't see one of those guys, him or Howard, Bray barely saw the field. Right. So I, I, I got to imagine that probably changes moving forward. It's definitely going to be Howard and Gronk. I think you see Gronk uh, a little more before the red zone. I think you see O.J. Howard in the red zone. Okay. Um, I think I, you might see Bray there too because Bray was right. proven to be a pretty good red zone yeah. target yeah. in the past. But, I mean, for their success, Brady, you, you saw it last year, Brady had no tight end. It's hard for him to mm-hmm. just rely on those receivers like that. I think for them to have success, they're going to have yeah. to do the tight end position. Well, I, I think we went a little longer with Bucks than we expected. We have so much to cover, but we want to try to keep this podcast, you know, somewhat uh, short for y'all. We don't want to make this an hour and a half long podcast. Who's got like an hour and a half long, you know, commute? Not a lot of people. Um, for those of you who do, my apologies. Uh, 15 minutes, okay, we're at 15 minutes, that's not too bad actually. So we'll, we'll touch on the entire NFL real quick, not every single team, but just a quick little tidbits here and there. I'll, I'll let you start because we'll, I figured if we're going to you know, talk about Brady, we got to talk about his old team, mm-hmm. which just so happens to be your favorite team, the New England Patriots, who have a new starting quarterback. See, this is what I don't want. We're going to talk about the Patriots and Belichick and Cam. I don't want... The Patriots to do so well and the Bucks to do so bad. I don't want the Bucks to do so well and the Patriots to do so bad. I want it to be right down the middle. I want them both to be the same. I want them both to do well and I want them both to make playoffs because then you get all those arguments. Oh, it was a system. Oh, Brady needed Belichick. Right, right. Brady finally to answer the questions. Is it Brady or Belichick? (laughs) I think, I think though you saw in New England, the system is still the same. The system works. McDaniel's offense is probably one of the best. Offensive schemes in the NFL. I was impressed. Catered pretty well to Cam's to Cam's talents. Right. I saw a lot more RPO mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, like, you know, design runs. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I know Cam is you know thirty thirty one. He has that injury history, uh, 
but I mean, the biggest reason he's such a dynamic quarterback is because of his athleticism. Mm-hmm. I think Cam gives that offense so much more creativity mm-hmm. and gives McDaniel's more creativity because you saw the just straight up. QB sweeps to the outside. Yeah. And when you don't have a safety over top or something like that, like he can just easily run into the end zone. He's so physical. He could just do a QB draw up the middle, as you saw RPA's work with Sony Michelle and um, James White. I mean, it's it's so much more creativity. He was 15 for 19 passing. That's I mean, solid. that's that's yeah, very solid. I think he didn't have a forced incompletion. I think that all the incompletions were either thrown throwaways or mm-hmm. tipped at the line. But um, you know, rushing, it, he's Cam. I mean, yeah. 15 carries, 75 yards. That's that's a big difference maker. Yeah. So. Who do they play next? Pats. Uh, the Pats play the Seahawks Sunday night. Okay, that'll be a good test. So that's we'll see. I, look, it's a nice win. Yeah. It's a good way to start the start your debut there, Cam Newton, and, like, with the Patriots. But good tune up. The game. Dolphins are not very good, right. and we know that. Everyone knows that. I think Fitzpatrick threw three picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're they're, you know, redshirting two of this year. Yeah. So. Um, want to see, did you want to touch on any other NFL games? Was there uh, anyone that's, anything that stand out, stood out to you? Obviously, the Ravens um, look good. Browns look Browns look terrible. Browns look terrible. Somebody, somebody mentioned, I, I forgot who it was on Twitter, but someone pointed out that like, uh, Baker Mayfield's a lot better at commercials than he is at actually playing football. I mean, he's, I, I, I'm, I was a Baker fan, but at least he's, the NFL. He's, I mean, he just doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback when he's out there. No, and it's a shame because they are. I mean, on paper, the roster is ridiculously low. Right. Although they did just lose uh, David and Joku. I don't know for a long time. I think maybe just three weeks. Oh, yeah. But I mean, Odell Beckham, I think was pretty much held in check. Jarvis yeah. Landry led them in receiving. Odell will be gone by the end of this year. You think so? Yeah. He's he's gonna get the dropped. Browns experiment is just done. They're gonna blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought Kansas City obviously looked very good when you give Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, who should not have even fallen to. The last pick in the draft in the first round. Crazy. Uh, That's just another toy for (laughs) Mahomes to play with. Um, I thought Deshaun Watson played very well. He still looks solid. Yeah, I was impressed by Deshaun. That's why I have him in fantasy. He's Um, he's legit. I I was surprised because we might as well touch on another the other uh, NFL team in Florida, Jacksonville Jaguars. Minshew mania. Shout out to the Jaguars going uh, beating the Colts. A solid Colts team. I mean. They got Phillip Rivers in now. Who's, uh, to me, he's probably a little washed at this point. But what, probably the best offensive line in the NFL. And an improving defense, mm-hmm. mind you. Uh, Minshew finished, what was it, 19-20? 19-20 for buck seventy-three. Didn't exactly light up the world, yardage-wise. Uh, but still, efficient through three touchdown passes and connected with a bunch of dudes that you probably don't know other than DJ Chark. Keelan Cole, I believe he was a former practice squad player. Their rookie, LaVisca Chanel, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, the kid from Colorado. Colin Johnson, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Chris Connolly, Chris Thompson, Bruce Miller, the former UCF fullback, got a target. I mean, that's just, I, mean, I was impressed. I was genuinely surprised because I thought the Jaguars were going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. I thought they were too. I didn't think they were going to win a game, to be honest. No, they, I, they thought they the first could, I thought they could potentially go 0 16. So yeah. kudos, kudos to Dude. For getting the dub there in week one. I thought the Seahawks obviously looked dominant. They're probably Yeah, like, they're really good. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, and I think Dan Quinn's on the hot seat for Atlanta. Oh yeah. I think he might Atlanta be won't be good this year. I don't know. I don't I thought they would be because they played better towards the end of twenty nineteen. Their defense is good. Yeah. I think I thought offensively they looked okay. Defensively, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, the last one I'll touch on is uh I liked I liked Arizona. Arizona got a nice win at San Francisco. This 
the Super Bowl runner-up, if you will. I think I think Arizona is going to surprise a lot of people. I think Kyler Murray is going to have an MVP type season. Yeah, getting DeAndre Hopkins is so big. Yeah, I think they make the playoffs. I think they make that wild card. I think they could. Yeah. I think they could. Um, and then one other game that we should touch on is this Aaron Rodgers look ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers looks like an MVP again. Yeah. I mean, in, in that division, with the Lions looking the way like they do right now, and the Bears, obviously, I know they, they it was them that beat the Lions, uh, but I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, they, Green Bay goes into Minnesota and beats Minnesota. I, I think this is another year where the Packers go and have another, you know, double-digit win season, win the NFC North, and have a legit chance to, to compete for that ever-elusive second Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Had that weird upset in Washington. <laughs> yeah! That's so weird. I feel so – that. And if you're a Philly fan, that's rough. I mean, Philly, Philly, Philly needs to blow it up. Eight sacks. <laughs> eight. Carson Wentz got sacked eight times. Now, Washington – And I couldn't tell you who's – I mean, I know Washington defense is okay. I think their D-line is, like, soft. Their D-line is probably one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, um, let me – I think that's why – I think that's why they're going to be I, – I think they might have a chance of being, like, That's right. They had Chase Young. And, yeah. And look, I mean, okay, yeah. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. Okay, yeah. that's that's pretty nasty. Yeah. I'll give them – I'll give them that. That's, that's pretty nasty. Still, eight sacks – Got to do better than that, Eagles. Got to change that. All right. Uh, and then last game. What's up? The the Cowboys and Rams. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think I think we're going to see more of the Rams that we saw them from that Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. I think last year that happens to a bunch of teams that make the Super Bowl. I think that's going to happen to the Niners this year. I don't think they're going to be so? as, as I, I could definitely see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. But I think the Rams move back more so to what they were um, when they made that Super Bowl run. It's a really high-powered offense. Didn't really love what I saw from Cam Akers, the former FSU standout. He's my, he's on my fantasy team. He looked a little looked like a rookie, which happens. Yeah. Malcolm Brown ran pretty well there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure he'll figure it out. And I mean, they just, they're just they loaded there with the talent they got at Cooper Cup. And, and Robert Woods looked really good. I like the tight end Higby. Shout out uh, the, the 727 product. Or is that 813? Anyway, he's a local kid. He went to East Lake High School. Yeah, I I think Mike McCarthy not kicking the field goal to tie it in the fourth definitely hurt the Cowboys. It's so funny because you have Cowboys fans going one way and some going the other way. Yeah. It's just like, which one do you want? Do you yeah. want them to be aggressive or not yeah. be aggressive? I personally would have kicked it. I think I would have kicked it. I, I think it's one thing to be aggressive and I think it's one yeah. thing just to be idiot. I mean, that, that, you're, you're, it's a 30-yard chip yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, all right. I think we're done with NFL coverage then. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we'll touch more in the next one. All right. So, we'll, we'll move on now. We'll, we're not done with football. We're going to talk college football too. But... I figure we're in the Bay Area, so we got to go to the next, you know, the next big team. That, of course, is the Lightning, who are in the midst of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, one win away from advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals, up three to one as we take this on the New York Islanders. They won Game Four, four to one. Braden Point comes back and, of course, makes an immediate impact. I believe he had a goal and an assist. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, this this is a different team when you have Braden Point out there, right? That's yep. just plain and simple. I think you and I were talking. I think Braden Point is the new V guy on, on the Lightning. I think I think the offense really revolves yeah. around him. He's a superstar. He's going to be a superstar. Um, and you have Palat, obviously, who, who definitely helps. And then Kucherov is obviously Kucherov. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The chemistry that Kucherov and Braden Point have together. Mm-hmm. I mean, their passing between one another is phenomenal. On like another, I feel like every game they're on the ice together, we get this one amazing play where the, 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 the stick-to-stick passing or the tape-to-tape is just amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really impressive. And then um, Andre Palat, 
kudos to him. He has been huge for the Lightning this this postseason. I think he has eight goals. I think eight he's just goals. yeah second on the team this in in the playoffs. Yeah, he has really stepped up for them. In the, you know with the absence of of Stamkos. Yeah, uh, and the Lightning maybe might possibly get Stamkos back for the final. Yeah, game. yeah, we saw that. Uh, you know the Lightning released some video to the media, and there is about. 20-30 seconds shot of uh, Stamkos skating and and Cooper said that Stamkos has been skating with the team on and off um, but in terms of like you know when he might be back Cooper did not divulge any information like that and he won't he never will uh, we basically have to wait and see my guess is we're not going to see him in this series maybe we see him in the finals I think maybe at the end of the finals maybe just to because if you think about it I mean he's the captain of the team yeah. to, to have you know I, I think they're the best team in hockey, and yeah. to to have that and your captain not playing, I think you may might put him out there for a couple minutes just to you know have him skate around in that final, um, just because of everything he's given. But I think the I think the Lightning have proved that they don't need Stamkos. I know yeah. that's you know a sin to say, but I, I really don't think they do. I, I mean, you no. have you have point. You have, they haven't needed him yet, right? And I think I mean. Kucherov obviously still there. I mean, yeah. the point's going to be the superstar. I think I think he's going to revolve around him. Um, and you know they have Blake Coleman who they went and got at the at the deadline. So Blake Coleman, you know, he was up. We saw that Julian Breezeball got nominated for uh, GM of the year, and I absolutely believe he deserves it because he w- he went out and made some at the time some moves that people thought were questionable, specifically that Blake Coleman move because you gave up. I know I'm gonna mess this up. It's either Calfoot or Nolan Foot. They're brothers. I think it's Nolan Foot who was a prospect, a really, a really prized prospect for the Lightning. And also, I believe they they gave up a first rounder, if I'm not mistaken. And Nolan Foot and a first round. Nolan Foot and a first rounder for a guy in Blake Coleman who has been good, but he's not, you know, this superstar by any means. Mm-hmm. Somewhat a pretty productive player in his time with New Jersey, but. He he went. Julian Brisebois took a chance on him, and it's paid off. It's paid off huge, especially during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Getting a guy like him, signing a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk in the offseason, another veteran presence. Um, it's been he's he's made some really good moves for this, for this team that has that's made the difference for them compared to last year. Yeah. Um, and you have guys also, you know, Cedric Paquette, and you have yeah. you have Yanni Gord, who's been playing very well in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and Kucherov. I'm looking at this stat. He has 18 assists. And Kuch is nuts. Kuch is so good. I mean, and we haven't even talked about uh, Vasilevsky. I mean, Vas has been on his head this entire playoffs. He's made some unbelievable saves. Um, he's just he's without a doubt in my mind the best goalie in hockey. I, I don't it's think it's, I don't think it's close. No, he, he's going to win the Vezina this year. He, yeah, and then and, and they're just delighting. They have him locked up for a couple of years, and it's good they do um, because. No one's going to touch him for a while. And then Victor Hedman has looked great yeah. defensively. I, I defensively. And, and he's provided some scoring as well. Yeah. Some really important goals when, he, when the Lightning were struggling to score. Right. I think you've seen, too, that he's he's definitely top three, top five defensemen in the NHL, too. Yeah. I think so. So, it, I mean, we saw Dallas advanced. So, it's the Dallas Stars and Stanley Cup Finals. I'm assuming you're going to assume the Bolts are advancing? I think so. I mean, yeah. we shouldn't look ahead, but they're up 3-1. I don't see them losing three games. I don't either. So, uh, Dallas versus Tampa Bay um, in the Stanley Cup Final. Who do you got and in how many games? Um, I, I, I think – I still think the Lightning match up very well against the Stars. The Stars, though, are, are very hot at the right time, which is kind of what you need as a hockey team going mm-hmm. into the final. Uh, I think you saw that with the Blues last year. So, 
I think anything can happen. I know it's it's the Stanley Cup, but I'm probably gonna go Lightning in five. Yeah, I'll go I'll go Lightning in six, just because I do like the Stars and how they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing some of the you know the most talented guys, Tyler Sagan, uh, a veteran guy like Joe Pavelski. These guys all playing well. The other guy Jamie Ben, I believe too. And uh, is is Dallas their old goalie? Ben, well, not their old goalie. Their goalie now is the Lightning's old goalie, Ben Bishop. Mm-hmm. So that'll they be also, They also have from Anton, Anton Kudobin, who's played really well, who mm. obviously old Bruins goalie. I'm not really uh, <laughs> too keen on that. But, yeah. They're, they're, playing, they're playing well at the right time. That's, that's what it is right now. But I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I just think the Lightning are overall the more talented team, and they've been playing well with multiple injuries. So I'm, I'm going to go Lightning in six. So, uh, but I hope, like I said, gotta wait to make sure you beat the Islanders first. But I, I think they will. I don't think they'll have any more trouble with that. But uh, look, we'll we'll, uh, we'll transition now back to football because uh, we are in Florida. I know it's a little different for you, Jordan, uh, coming from from New England. Uh, what are you talking about, man? We have Boston College. I know the Eagles, baby. How about them Eagles? I don't think they played yet. Did they play yet? No one pays attention to it. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, but we're gonna go back to college football now because. Uh, we saw a couple of big, not big time head coaches, but uh, a couple of new coaches take over some big programs. Uh, I'm going to start off with Mike Norvell, the former Memphis head coach, making his debut at Florida State, and oh boy, what a debut it was! My poor, my poor Seminole fans, I feel for you. I, I know it's been really tough these past few years. You, you, you experienced the last year of Jimbo Fisher, and he basically walks out after a six and six season then you get Willie Taggart and you gave him a year and a half and look I understand it wasn't pretty to watch I thought he pulled the plug a little early but hey that's one man's opinion and you bring in Mike Norbell who I liked as a UCF alum we played Memphis in the American every year pretty much and those were always close games but just to kind of give you a little shot there uh, he never beat UCF in his time there at Memphis just to mention just want to mention that but FSU loses its season opener 16-13 to Georgia Tech. Jordan, did you get to watch the game at all? I did, and I, I was very, very impressed with Georgia Tech, actually. I know they, I was too, actually. They went away with the triple option, which I, I don't understand why a college team... Like Georgia Tech? Like Georgia Tech was in running the Power that. 5 is running, still running a triple option. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Shout out Paul Johnson. But Jeff Collins, uh, you know, he's put in sort of a pro-style offense there, and I think I think you saw that it works a lot better. You can actually beat these big-name schools. Yeah, I was impressed. I like Jeff Collins. He, he's a former head coach at Temple, and I, I thought he was pretty solid there, and uh, also a former defensive coordinator uh, with the Florida Gators as well. Um, I was actually genuinely impressed with Georgia. I'll start with Georgia Tech. I, I was genuinely impressed by Georgia Tech. This is a Georgia Tech team that went 3-9 and nine last year. Um, really struggled. I mean, they barely beat bad USF team last year uh, at home. I think they won like 14 to 10. Uh, they lost to the Citadel. That's not what you want to do. I think they lost that game at home as well too. But then they also had their weird high moments like beating Miami on the road. But, you know, now looking back on it, that Miami team wasn't very good either because they lost to Duke, they lost to FIU, and they lost to Louisiana Tech in their bowl game. So, yeah, not too great there. But, uh, and Georgia Tech was picked to finish last in the ACC this year, dead last. And for them to go into Dope Campbell, granted, you know, it's like 25% full, whatever it is now, with the capacity and coronavirus and all that, 
to go into Doak Campbell and beat them is pretty impressive. That was a solid win. And as a UCF fan, because now we play Georgia Tech next week, I'm a little more concerned about that game. I'm not going to lie. I think Georgia Tech makes a bowl game. I think... Maybe. I think I they go schedule, but. 500. I mean, to me, their defense... I don't know if Florida State's offense is mediocre or Georgia Tech's defense is really good. I guess we'll find out when Georgia Tech plays UCF this week. But. Yeah, I, I think so. And to go back to just so we want to, I want to correct something real quick. The Georgia Tech, what they're running offensively is a like a, a, a somewhat of a spread. They're running a little bit more of a spread than a pro-style offense, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. That's because they have this kid, Jeff, Jeff Sims, at quarterback, who, I don't know if you don't know this, and this is why it stings even more for FSU. He was previously committed to FSU. Oh, I didn't know that. And the reason he was not with FSU was because Mike Norvell, the new head coach, did not want him. Nice. Jeff Sims grew up a Florida State fan, wanted to be the quarterback at Florida State. The new head coach said, thanks, but no thanks. So he goes to Georgia Tech and says, all right, I'm going to beat you now in your own home stadium. And went 24 for 35, 277 yards, outperformed James Blackman by far, probably. Yeah, who's a like fourth-year junior now. Yeah. Um, and Jeff Sims, granted, he threw two really bad picks, both to Asante Samuel Jr., um, I'm, oh God, that makes me feel old. Asante Samuel <laughs> Jr., the great New England Patriot, right? And yeah, uh, Atlanta Falcon. I don't like Asante. Oh, former great UCF Knight. Um, so it, he looked good, though. I thought Jeff Sims, he, he provides um, some electricity to that Georgia Tech offense that really struggled last year. The biggest disappointment for me was FSU, both sides of the ball. Uh, offensively, Blackman, I mean, I think FSU fans are just ready to move on. I mean, I like the kid. He's got a lot of... He's got a lot of spunk. Um, he's, he's really easy to cheer for. He's just a really likable dude. I've interviewed him a dozen times. Um, and the team, his teammates love him. But, I mean, the guy just, he can't, he is what he is at this point. He's an okay quarterback. He's okay. He's never going to be this great transcendent QB that you typically think of at Florida State. Um, and he's going to make some boneheaded mistakes. Like the interception he threw was terrible. Like third and 16. And... He, he scrambles and tries to throw a pass that would have gotten like seven yards. It wouldn't even have gotten him a first down. Just throw the ball away at that point, you know? Yeah. And some of these other throws he made, just off target. His receivers didn't help him either. I mean, Tamari and Terry, their best receiver, huge drop that would have been a touchdown. Warren Thompson, a Tampa guy, Armwood alum, a couple drops as well. The O-line did not do him any favors, which is that's been a problem in FSU for – that goes back to Jimbo Fisher. It's been mm-hmm. a problem for a while. I, they're just and then the uh, defense as well. I mean, how do you not? I think they had one sack on Georgia Tech. This isn't that Georgia Tech offensive line isn't the Indianapolis Colts. You know, Quentin Nelson's not blocking there. They didn't even have. A f- I mean, it was like a half sack. Yeah, two guys had half a sack. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and bear, how many tackles for loss? Um, six. Six. I okay for the tackles for loss, but still, how do you get one sack on a Georgia Tech team that? Traditionally, did not exactly block particularly well last year. There aren't just all of a sudden new offensive linemen, you know. <laughs> yeah. That tra- and either there's one. I think there's one transfer in there, but it's not like he's you know a first round pick or anything. Um, disappointing, disappointing effort. I, I will say that the thing was is like the biggest reason was disappointing. I feel like I'm rambling now, so I want you to jump in whenever you need to. Um, FSU looked really good on its first drive. They scored a touchdown pretty easily. I think James Blacker went three for three. Um, hit him with a bunch of different plays, a bunch of different, a lot of jet sweeps. We saw a lot of screens early on. But after those first couple drives, like the first two or three, 
it just felt like so scripted. Once it went off script, it was like, what's going on here? And then Georgia Tech was like, well, this is the de- defensively. They're like, well, this is easy. We know what's coming next. Right. And it just it didn't seem like FSU ever made adjustments offensively. And it's like you got to do something differently. Otherwise, you know, you can't sit here and expect different results uh, by doing the same thing over and over again and knowing yeah. in the past that it didn't work. I think a big thing for them too. We can kind of talk about the whole ACC. Um, I know the SEC isn't playing until the end of December right. or uh, September, um, but you look at the ACC. I think that's going to be a conference that's much improved this year. I don't think that they're going to have like a you know top ten, a whole bunch of top ten teams besides no. Clemson. But you look at North Carolina, who looked really good this weekend. Obviously, you know they're going to be much more improved. They're really good. Sam Howell's the real deal. So I mean, you have Notre Dame, who we can kind of transition plays USF this weekend. Mm. Um, so I guess we'll see, you know, how good both of those teams really are. Yeah. But um, I, you know, going back to Florida State, I, I think being in a conference that's much more improved, they're they're gonna definitely going to. It's going to be tough. I thought this was a season where FSU might be able to make a bowl game, and now you lost this one. I don't know if that's in the cards. They get a bye week this week, so they got some time to clean things up. But then they got to go travel to Coral Gables and play Miami, who looked okay in their in their season opener against UAB. Nothing special, but uh, that's going to be a tough one. We'll see how that one goes. But you mentioned it, uh, Notre Dame in the ACC now. Their next opponent is USF. So I want, we wanted to touch on USF, of course, being in the Bay Area. The Bulls, Jeff Scott making his debut with his new team, the former Clemson offensive coordinator. And USF got a win. And Jeff Scott went to dance in the locker room afterwards. It was a lot of fun to watch. 27-6 over the Citadel. Um, Jordan McLeod, the plant alum, he was your starting quarterback. Nothing spectacular. Um, efficient, 11-16, but for 68 yards. So it didn't exactly light up the world. Uh, Rushing-wise, though, that's where they made their money. Uh, you had Kelly Joyner, 8 yards, 87 carries. Johnny Ford, 9 carries, 71 yards. Noah Johnson, the back quarterback, the Armwood alum, Seven carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Joyner had a touchdown as well. Uh, overall, the Bulls rushed for 300 yards, only threw for, for 100. But 400 yards of offense, you'll take that. That's pretty nice. And defensively, only gave up six points. Uh, 84 yards passing for the Citadel. But they're not really a, a passing team. They're more I, rushing. I think they run the triple option. They do, yeah. So uh, overall, solid debut for Jeff Scott. And solid season opener for the, for the USF Bulls overall. Uh, well, what did you think, Jordan? I thought they looked good. This week will definitely be the test because yeah. a lot of people have Notre Dame. Some, some people have Notre Dame in the playoff this year, so it'll be their first test. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I don't think so either. I honestly think... They're a good team. USF, I don't know if USF wins this weekend, but I think they put up more of a fight than Duke just because of Jeff Scott because he's been at Clemson he's played Notre yeah. Dame. So, I mean, he knows how they do things. I, I'm pretty sure he's very close with uh, Mike Kelly at Notre Dame. So, I, I think he knows how to beat them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he has the talent to beat them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you know, Notre Dame gets, you know, yeah, five-star five star four-star guys. And Jeff Scott didn't exactly get a ton of time to recruit his guys. And, uh, but no, it, I, 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 think it's, I think it's different, too, because USF is going to go into this game as a big, big game. Like... Yeah, I mean, this is their Super Bowl for Right, them. and then Notre Dame is, uh, if, if they play lackadaisical, they could they, get upset. They could, they could get upset. Uh, the spread is 26. Oh, my God. That is insane. I think USF will cover. If I was a betting man, I'm not much of a betting uh, man, but I'm going to go ahead and say USF covers. That's what, that's what you were talking about. I think, I think they'll play better um, than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, Jeff Scott's a pretty good coach, so I, I think 26, that's a huge spread. That's crazy. Um, 
So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they look over there in, uh, in South Bend. But last but not least, we want to transition to the other great Bay Area team in the area, the Tampa Bay Rays. Your AL East leading Tampa Bay Rays. I believe they have a three-game lead? Three and a half. Three and a half game lead over the Blue Jays. Four over the Yankees. Four over the Yankees lose. I love that from David Ortiz. Um, and I believe a game back of the White Sox for first in the American League uh, as a whole. Uh, you're the baseball guy, Jordan. So I want to I want to start with you first here. Um, what's what's kind of have you have you been impressed by what the Rays have been able to accomplish? Absolutely. I, I think the Rays are the best all around team in the American League right now. I know the White Sox are hot. They've won nine mm-hmm. of their last ten. And, but it's it's kind of flip flop because the Rays were very hot, they you were. know, earlier, and now the White Sox are getting hotter. Baseball is all about who's who's hot at the right exactly. time. Exactly. So, They're um, Even if the if the Rays get the second, third, even the fourth seed in the in the playoffs, it's such a big field this year. I, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll get hot. They're they're a bit beat up right now. I know G Man Choi is out for the year. Yeah. Oh, he's out for the year now. Yeah, he is. Oh man, so, I'm, uh, a, I'm a Choi boy at heart. So yeah. that hurts me. That hurts me. He's a lot. He's a fun player to watch. But their their pitching is, is so good. They've had so many injuries. Kevin Cash has done such a tremendous job. He has. They've had, they've had guys come out of the woodwork just to come pitch. D three guys come. Josh out. Fleming. Yeah. Shout out Josh Fleming. Uh, I believe he's three and zero or four and zero in his in his career now um for, like you mentioned a former d3 stand what does that just to a real quick touch on it what does that mean for you as a former d3 player to see a guy like that perf- not only just make the majors but perform well at the major league level it has to be less than one percent less than 0.5 percent that's crazy that that a d3 guy gets to come in and, and he's he's a big part of their bullpen he is no he i mean he's a starter for them now yeah he's one of their goals i mean yeah to, to come from the bullpen and be a starter right now yeah. about the injuries and stuff like that is just remarkable. I mean, that that gives hopes to to the D three guys out there that yeah. you know you can actually make an MLB roster and right. have an impact. That's crazy, and it's not just him. I mean, some of these dudes that like I, I've never heard Aaron Sleggers or Sledgers. It's, I, it's guys that it's, Aaron Loop. I mean, that's all, that's always what the Rays do. I know it's John oh. Curtis. I, these are dudes I've never heard of because the Rays are so beat up. Pitching wise, I mean, I don't even talk about the Yankees and their injuries. I get it; that hurts not having Judge and Stan and all those dudes. But like Yanni Torino's, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Charlie Ch- Morton's been Ch- hurt. Charlie Morton was hurt. Chaz Rowe, Andrew Kittredge, Jalen Beeks, Jose Alvarado. I mean, these are all dudes that are huge parts of that. Torino's a starter. Everyone else, huge parts of that bullpen. And now they're go- they're all gone for the year. So and, they're, they, and the Rays are still thirty and, and seventeen. The Rays are still thirty and seventeen. And a big part of it is because offensively they've been pretty good too. Brandon Lau, best second baseman in all of baseball. Yeah, I thought he had a chance for the MVP, but he yeah, got, he cooled down. Yeah, he cooled down. Cool down. down. <laughs> uh, but overall, I mean, I've seen you've seen good stuff from uh, and Manny Margot struggled a lot early on. But I think now he's hitting like close to 300, if I'm not mistaken. Willie Adonis has been pretty good for them. Um, Willie Adonis, yeah, he leads them in hits. Michael Perez, I think, as a catching standpoint, has, has definitely had some nice up. moments. Um, you know, Joey Wendell has had some big moments as well. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's some guys that have been a little disappointing. I think uh, Sutsugo, you brought him in, yeah. and he was supposed to be this huge, you know, power hitter. This. This star over in uh, Japan, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, he has seven homers, which I believe is second on the team, only to uh, Lau, 
but he's hitting like 189, which yeah. or 198, excuse me. So not yeah. ideal there. Hunter Renfro definitely. Yeah, yeah. 157. Yeah. Not 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 too hot there. Austin Meadows. 205. He's he's having a, a little bit of a down season, but he also I believe he had COVID, right? Yeah, he had a bout with COVID. Yeah. So uh, you got to remember some of these dudes. That's hard to come back from. We, COVID affects people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the other surprise, we haven't seen him recently, I don't think. Randy Arozarena, when he was playing, that dude was on fire. 100%. He, he stepped up. He's got caught up. And in, in, I think he had three hammers in, in four games or something, something like that. Like, something crazy like that. Another another Just another reason that the Rays' uh, front office is is – one of the best, and, and to to have them win like this, and still have the best farm system in baseball, Crazy. just I mean that Crazy. they're gonna they're changing the game. Uh, they are with how how things are done. They so. are. I'm impressed. But I will we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here uh, real quick. Uh, where do you think the Rays finish in the AL? Where do you think that what seed do you think they get for the playoffs? Uh, I think the White Sox are really hot right now. Obviously, with only two weeks left in the season, they're only one game back of, of the one seed in, in the AL. I. I think their schedule is kind of easy um, coming up to end the season. It is. I think they play like the they play the Nats tonight, uh, two game series against them. They have the Mets and the Phillies. So I think that's all teams with losing records. So, so they're going to get in the top four seeds. It's just a battle with the Twins, A's, and White Sox of, of who's going to get that one seed. I think they finished two or three. I just think that the White Sox are mm-hmm. hot right now. The Twins are getting really hot, and the A's mm-hmm. are the A's. So, um, but. I, Again, it doesn't really matter what seed you get as long as you right. get in that top four because it's such an expanded field this year. So they'll, yeah. be, they'll be fine. I think the biggest thing for them is just to stay healthy. Exactly. Stay healthy. And just I think the magic number is five. Five wins and they secure a postseason spot. Yeah. So that's pretty nice if you're a Rays fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, if you hadn't heard, I believe they have officially agreed on it. MLB will do playoffs in a bubble, which is really unfortunate for Rays fans. I mean, because there's a decent chance the Rays actually made the World Series this year. Um, but if you're thinking of, like, you're talking about the teams that are playing hot right now, um, there's no home field advantage for anyone. So it, it really comes down to who's the most talented team. And I think the Rays are one of the most talented teams. I think they're definitely top three. I think yeah. I think right now I'd probably go uh, Dodgers are definitely. Yeah, they're on a different level. They're on a different level. Luckily, you don't have to see them. We were World Series. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were talking. I think the Dodgers could go undefeated the entire regular season. I still don't know if they'd win the World Series. That's no, the- I know. That's the thing is that they, they always, right? They yeah. won the – the woulda, coulda, shoulda team. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think in the American League, American League is very strong, but right now the White Sox are the, are the hottest team in yeah. baseball besides the, the Padres, who obviously you wouldn't see till the till the World Series. Right. But, um, yeah, I think they make it out of the American League. I think they're I the best too. team in the American League. I do, too. I, I think we see them in the World Series. And I know I'm sure Rays fans are hoping that as well. Rays Padres will be an amazing That game. would be so much fun. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Fran, uh, Fernando Tatis. Most exciting player yeah, in all baseball, he's, really. He's I awesome. love watching that kid. Yeah. Well, awesome, guys. I appreciate y'all tuning in. That's going to be a wrap for us for uh, our very first episode of Seize the Bay. Um, we're going to be doing this weekly, so be sure to tune in. Uh, where, where, they got, where, where can they find us? On uh, Apple Podcasts? Yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, any of those platforms, we're on every single platform. Perfect. Jordan's our, he's the producer of Chardonnay here, so he... he <laughs> Be sure to give him a big thanks for putting this all up there. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're both on there, at Kenny Morales. And Jordan, you can find him at Jordan Moore. He's tweeting a lot more than I am. He's also tweeting a lot of videos. So if you're looking for highlights and uh, very, very scorching hot takes on everything, he's your guy. Hey, uh, Bucks fans, don't panic. Tom Brady, every single time uh, he's lost in week one, he's made it to the Super Bowl. Do not panic. There you go. 
All right, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.